When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you like me and thought one day, I want to start a podcast? Well, it's easy. All you do is go to Anchor FM and sign up for free. Then all you do is you can record from your computer or your phone. And next thing you know, all you do is upload your episode. And then like magic, Anchor just goes and releases it everywhere to Apple, to Spotify. You name it, it releases it there. It's easy, it's simple, it's fun to use, and like me, I'm not very technical-oriented. Again, easy. Not like the rapper, but it's easy, if you get what I mean. So again, go to Anchor FM, sign up, and uh, start being a content or podcast creator today. such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Welcome to My Third Eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to My Third Eye. But what in fact happened in the original book of Mark is that Mary actually stepped out of the house when Jesus arrived and the disciples told her to go back in the house because 
They take this out because women were only allowed to leave the house with their husband's permission. So this, in fact, would be another indication that Mary Magdalene would have been married to Jesus Christ because they take they took the part out where as soon as Jesus arrived, she exited the house and ran to him. And she would only be able to do that if Jesus gave her permission as her husband to leave the house. All right, welcome back to another fun, exciting, adventurous episode of My Third Eye. Uh, this will be part two of the Da Vinci series. Uh, it was supposed to be released last week. However, uh, we know that I can be half retarded and somehow I erased a lot of my episodes. But I was able to get them back. Uh, thanks to Shane from Inquiries of Our Reality. Go give him a, a follow on uh, Instagram and go hit him up on, uh, you know, anywhere you find a podcast. Uh, he, he puts out some good content over there. And also he's one half of the co well he's the other host of uh bizarre encounters along with my myself which will be uh launching here in a couple weeks so you know keep keep a lookout for that uh if you like uh this episode share it everywhere uh share it share it share it like it and share it and share it some more um also if you want the full episode for just three bucks head on over to patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast three bucks gets you the full episode and trust me, it, you, you can't beat it. That, that's three bucks for a whole whole entire month. Cheaper than a gallon of gas. I will say, for $2 more, for $5, you get full-length episodes of The Tavern. You get all bonus material, and you get full episodes. So I think the $5 tier is more bang for your buck, if, if you ask me. But hey, I get it. You know, $3, $3 hey, that's fine. That's all you can afford. Show, show your show your homie some love here um other than that you know hit up youtube go over there like subscribe i don't care if you watch i always say this just like and subscribe get the numbers up there so uh the content gets uh, more growth I, I can't thank the uh, the growth that i have had uh in the uh short time that I've, I've i've started the youtube and wow uh some of the videos over there getting a lot of a lot of views and you know for a, for a humble little guy here in central pennsylvania you know that that, that's pretty amazing. So I never never thought I'd, I'd see that. Uh, but hey, you know, you, you start a podcast, you didn't think anybody was going to listen to you. And the next thing you know, you're, you're being heard around the world and uh, you have a platform. So having said that, if you have any encounters of, of the bizarre kind, hit up Bizarre Encounters on Instagram or myself, my third eye podcast or inquiries of our inquiry on, on Instagram as well. But uh, Bizarre Encounters does have its own IG page, so hit us up. Uh, it's been doing doing pretty good. We've been booking some guests over there through that. Um, also, if you want to be on this show uh, and, and don't want to, you know, go on Bizarre Encounters, that, that's cool. Come come over here or, you know, do whatever. Uh, make sure you hit up Open Minds Media. You know, good, good things coming out, you know, with Shane and uh, Kyle from the Big Dumb Podcast, you know, the two that, that are founding the uh, Open Minds Media. And, uh, yeah, go, go, go give them a... I like subscribe and follow uh, and give this podcast a five-star rating and review or just walk over to Spotify and give a five-star rating and walk away. That's all you got to do. But uh, having said that, thank you guys. You know, hit up the Birch, um, 20% off. If you enter my third eye, M-Y, the number three, R-D-E-Y-E, get 20% off anything in, in the merch store. Everything's in my link tree. And uh, yeah, enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have returning guest, Julia, the host of Cosmic Peach Podcast for part two of Da Vinci, 
and uh, the first one uh, we covered Da Vinci and you know some of his paintings and what have you. And this one, I think we're going to touch a little bit more on uh, Mary Magdalene and, and see where Julia wants to take this. So I'll turn this over to you, Julia, and let the audience know once again uh, where they can find you and your podcast that you've now started and uh, where they can find you on social media. Thank you, Ghost. Yes. So I have Cosmic Peach Podcast. It's available on Amazon and Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, today, so I wanted to kind of set up who Leonardo was before we got down into the really heretical part of his life. Because it's hard for me to tell this part of the story without kind of lining everything up that had happened to Leonardo in his personal life that led him to this point. So on the last episode, we ended with the the Last Supper painting, and we were kind of talking about there's a figure in the Last Supper painting that is curious, mm-hmm. and it's the figure sitting next to Jesus. And so I had obviously watched the da vinci code and i think you've watched the da vinci code most people have but it only scratches the surface of of where this whole mythos came to be that mary magdalene is in the last supper painting and was married to jesus um so that's the case that i'm gonna make to you today ghost and i hope that by the end of this presentation i will have you convinced (laughs) I'm sure you will. I know you put a a lot of research into this one. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is not an assault on anyone's faith. Like, I'm not trying to take that away from anyone. If you have faith, that's a gift. And I'm so happy for you to have that. And this is not an assault on your faith. This is just, you know, it's, it's too, it's too detailed and too many coincidences to pass up. And it, it has too much validity to me to not be, a real, you know, situation for Jesus. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Well, there's a lot of speculation to that. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. And and I think the Catholic religion as a whole has really done everything they can to take either all most, some of the books out of the Bible that, that would um, point to that. I I do Mm -hmm. believe Mary actually had her own book as well. She did. And so let's start with a little bit of history here where this, where the, the author, Dan Brown, the author of the Da Vinci Code, where he got some of his ideas from. Okay. There was a French priest of a mountain village and it was like a really, really small mountain village, nothing, you know, huge or crazy. And he had apparently found a treasure in 1891 and he was penniless when he made this discovery and by the time he died in 1917 he had spent enormous sums of money and break in ghost if you have any questions his name was Sonier which is also the name of the grandfather in the da Vinci code what was the name again Sonier Sonier. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sonier. So this is the actual name of the priest of this um, mountain village um, who had apparently discovered a treasure, quote unquote. Okay. So that's where we get the name Sonier as the grandfather in the Da Vinci Code. 
and he is the priest of Renle Chateau. And he was sent there as a young man, and he had a lot of ambition. And his first task was renovating the church because it was all dilapidated Mm -hmm. and super old. And like I said, it was a really small village. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to um, renovate the whole thing and make it make it nice again. And while he was renovating the church, he removed the altar stone and found that there was a pillar that was hollow and It was a Visigoth pillar that dated back to the 6th century. And inside this pillar was some parchments. And he took them out. And what was written on them were parts of the New Testament written in Latin. And some letters were slightly raised above the other letters. And that's what makes it interesting is the letters that were slightly raised above the other letters were a hidden message. Okay. Now, now this is, this is historical. This isn't just out of the book, right? Or are we? Oh, no, no, no. This is all, this is where he ripped off the idea for the Da Vinci code. He just, he made it fictitious. Right. Because I remember seeing that where they, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the question is what, discovery did he really make by removing the altar stone and finding this information and i don't know if you ever read the book holy blood holy grail no i am i'm aware of it um god i the the author's drawn a blank because i I was kind of really into this at one point yeah so he came out with holy blood holy grail way before da vinci code Mm -hmm. based on this factual information That again, Dan Brown kind of ripped off. Yes. And so the author of the book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, actually went back and deciphered the message, which later led to him writing the book because he he saw the message that was this priest supposedly found, which was these letters that were raised above the other letters that spelled out a message if you put it together. And so the message read... It's weird to me, and I don't know how he got to his conclusion based on what the message was, but the message read out, this treasure belongs to Dagobor, the second king, and to Zion, and he is there dead, which made zero sense to me. He literally wrote a whole book off of that little tiny excerpt (laughs) from this hidden message. (laughs) So obviously he's way smarter than I am, and he did some digging, and... So King Dagobor was the last of the acknowledged Merovingian kings. Okay. And so I don't know if you've ever heard Merovingian before. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're familiar with that. Yep. And he was the son of Clovis the first and Clovis the first had made a pact with the Catholic church that if Clovis increased his empire of his area of France and dedicated it to Christianity that the Catholic church would acknowledge the Merovingians as being inheritors of the throne. And so it's, it's supposed that the Merovingian line is said to be direct bloodline descendants of Jesus Christ. Yes. And so whether or not, I don't, 
isn't that where the kind of the Knights Templar also come in into play with the, mm-hmm. the Merovingians and, and what have you? To protect them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Sonnier did not understand the significance of these parchments at all. Neither did I. <laughs> because if you read it, you're just like, what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah. And so the first thing he did was go straight to the bishop. And the bishop had a long, hard look at him and then straight sent him straight up to the ecclesiastical authorities in Paris. So obviously maybe he knew what they were. And then he returned from Paris, a very wealthy man. Hmm. Makes Mm -hmm. you wonder. Yes. He had a tower built on the edge of the mountain where the church was located. And he had a huge house built for him and just his housekeeper. It was five or six bedrooms for just him and his housekeeper. And remind you, he was penniless when he arrived at the village. (laughs) Like totally penniless. Yeah. And then he discovers these parchments, goes to the bishop. The bishop's like, uh, you need to go ahead and take these to Paris. Let, Let them look at it. And then he comes back exorbitantly wealthy. So the Vatican must have known what the hell he had. Right. And so he calls his house La Villa Bethany. And that is important. And we will talk about that later. But remember that he named his home La Villa Bethany. Okay. And he had the whole entire road from the base of the mountain all the way up to the church paved. Which is unheard of. <laughs> yeah, back in that day, yeah, very unheard of. Mm-hmm. He was an ordinary, humble country priest, but then suddenly it appears he discovered something that made him an extremely wealthy man. And what was his church called? Mm. His church is the Church of Mary Magdalene. <laughs> no shit. Yes. So... The church is practically falling apart when he arrived and then he refurbished everything and also bought up a lot of land in the village and lived a very lavish lifestyle and would even entertain entertain guests from all over France in like really high style. So in his lifetime, it's um, it's said that he spent the equivalent of two million dollars. Jeez. Went from Mm -hmm. penniless to spending two million dollars damn why can't i have that kind of luck i'd love to find (laughs) (laughs) some little parchment paper somewhere that has some obscure saying on it and next thing you know you're here as fuck like and i'm sure he didn't even realize what it was when he found it no because it was so vague like okay well whatever you know who cares and so that's the mystery and everyone has their speculations as to what he found that could have led to this. Some people believe that he found a treasure trove in there. And then some people believe that he found the the information, like what I said to you on the parchments. And that's what was the treasure. Okay. And what he found was literally priceless to the church to keep quiet. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds that way. He he could possibly have been blackmailing the church to keep him quiet about what he discovered. Maybe he did understand what it was and he was blackmailing them. So that that's another theory that I found. Now, um, when, just a quick question. Did mm-hmm. he name his church the Church of Mary Magdalene or was it already named that 
it and, was already named the and, Church of Mary Magdalene. And that's what he that's uh what they appointed him to was that church. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. And let's just say so the church was already named the Church of Mary Magdalene. And let's just say what he found in there is the proof <laughs> that Mary Magdalene is the spouse of Jesus. Right. And, and this Merovingian bloodline. It's crazy because, you know, they took a lot of books out of the Bible. Mary had one herself. You know, we, we discussed that a little bit. And, but, but in that day to, you know, have a church named the Church of Mary Magdalene, is, is kind of weird mm-hmm. all in itself because she's not a very respected character of the Bible. Well, no, I mean, they've, it's like they said in the Da Vinci Code, they sl- the Catholic Church slandered her and actually made her appear as a prostitute, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that. Um, so the bishop at the time was getting concerned because of this huge expenditure of money and these vast wild parties he was throwing. And the bishop was like, where the hell is he getting this money from? Right. So the bishop came up with the theory and accused the priest of a crime called simony. Or so simony is like selling masses in exchange for forgiveness of sins that you committed. And they, they suspended him. So without any proof of this at all, they, they were like, there's, no way that he's not up to this shit because he's getting too much money. So he must be, so it'd basically be like you go into confession or something and he's like, well, for, for 50 bucks, I'll forgive you for your sins or whatever. So they accused him of doing that and he was suspended. And so the priest took this all the way up to the Vatican and was immediately reinstated. Oh shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so he gets suspended of this crime that they think he's committing. And he's like, no, I'm not takes it all the way up to the Vatican. He gets immediately reinstated, but shortly afterwards he dies suddenly. (laughs) Ah, Died a suicide Two two sword mm, wax to the back of the head. Well, it's even more bizarre than that ghost. Um, And it's funny because it reminds me of Stanley Kubrick because they were like, all right, we'll play, you know, make your movie. Let's see what you do. Mm-hmm. They see the movie dead. Yeah. <laughs> they find him dead the next day. And so it's like, okay, yeah, all right, we'll reinstate you. Mm-hmm. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Um, so he dies of a stroke. Mm-hmm. But what is most curious is that 10 days before his quote unquote sudden death of a stroke, his housekeeper had already ordered his coffin. <laughs> What? Yes. Oh, shit. So there, that's just a little bit of like, there's something more going on here, yeah. obviously. And it's funny to, um, to think because, you know, people like you and I and, and, and others look into this stuff and, you know, are fascinated by it in the, in the conspiracy end and, and the, the wild tales that involve a lot of this, these topics that we discuss. Hearing that, it's kind of, it's kind of neat because it was actually going on back then. You know what I mean? (laughs) Kind of what we're doing now, only without the technology to do it. You know what I mean? It's weird. Like, so it's kind of like 
about it is ghost is why I said, I'm going to make this case to you. And I'm going to try to convince you that this is what's going on. It's because I believe this is the biggest cover up in human history, just like they said in the movie, but I'm not playing. I think this is the biggest cover up in human history, because if this is true, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. It changes everything that we think is true. So it's inconclusive what was really going on. But it is also known that there were times where the priest was very broke and then suddenly like another load of money would come along. And I believe that the source of his money was that he was being paid by the Vatican. And he would actually say to the bishop out of his own mouth, I was given large donations by people who live outside the village. But I was given these donations under the conditions of strict secrecy that I can't reveal who the donors are. (laughs) Out of his own mouth, he said that. Well, right there says, oh, this was given to me by the Vatican. Right. But why did they give him this money? What did he know? And it's, again, I'm going back to the fact that he discovered Jesus's direct bloodline. Right. So after his death, the priest's housekeeper continued to live in the house until her own death. Um, When the French uh, changed the currency from the old franc to the new franc, she was seen in the garden burning large sums of paper money. Um, Probably because she didn't know what to do with it and she couldn't explain where the money had came from. And she couldn't use it anymore because they went from the old Frank to the new Frank. So she literally went out into the garden and just started shoving piles of paper money into a garbage can and burning it. And, um, so she actually had that money today. It'd be worth something. Well, shoot, she burnt (laughs) it all up, which is also curious. Um, She did actually tell the person who moved into the house that she would explain the secret of their wealth before she died. Um, But so she, she suffered a stroke as well after she said this. So strokes were strokes were the, the, the first suicide, you know, but it didn't kill her. It it didn't didn't kill her. Okay. It rendered her unable to speak. Hmm. And she was never able to say where the money had come from. And then she died and the secret died with her. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. So I think they were trying to kill her though. Yeah. You know, but it just, back in that time, she she didn't talk. Yeah. And alchemy was big back then. So, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They were playing with all sorts of shit and, you know, obviously that's how we got a lot of the stuff that we have today, but yeah, that's crazy that, you know, oh, well, you know, and we don't really have guns and bullets, so let's just stroke them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so many things could be categorized as a stroke. You poison somebody one time and they, uh, and then mm-hmm. there's like, oh, they had a stroke. Yep. Dead. Yeah. We don't even know if it, was, if it was an actual stroke, but. So the Priory of Scion, are you yes. familiar? Mm-hmm. Okay. As seen in the Da Vinci Code, the secret keepers. claim they were the ones who were supplying the priest and that they were behind his his cash flow Mm. so that's interesting that is so it it, this is the part where this information is so fucking old 
it could have been the Vatican or it could have been the Priory of Sion. We weren't there. We don't, we have no idea. All we know is that his lifestyle was crazy and, you know, what, what he discovered made him a wealthy man. Right. So they claim that the priests discovered documents that showed the truth about the Merovingian dynasty. And then again, the, the author of Holy Blood, Holy Grail came up with the hypothesis that these Merovingians, of course, are the direct descendants of Jesus Christ. And he writes the book. So the secret that died with the housekeeper seems to have been something to do with the Catholic Church, and they wanted to keep it under wraps. Of course. Uh, duh. <laughs> and some people speculate that what he di discovered was an equivalent to a birth or marriage certificate pertaining to Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene, which is interesting. Yes, because if this is true, that just proves Jesus was an ordinary man. Right. In, it it cancels opinion. out his his divinity. Yes. Which is which again, I'm not trying to offend anyone. This is just this this is just how it is, you know. Yeah. I say um, it all the time on, on my podcast, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. If it makes you a better person at the end of the day. That's mm -hmm. fine. I don't care if you believe in Satan. If, if it makes you a good person, you're not killing people and you're being kind. And you're and, not, you know, yeah. not hurting kids, yeah. whatever. So some people believe that he found a genealogy of the bloodline descendants. Or <laughs> some people believe he found an actual corpse. <laughs> so because it was in a pillar. Mm-hmm. It could have been anything. It it literally could have been an actual corpse of like a very, very important person, such as like Mary Magdalene's bones or ashes or right. like some, 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 some way of tracing DNA back to Jesus. Like we would have been able to do that now. Mm -hmm. Um, because there was a yellow marker on the outside of the church that would signify that a very, very, very important person was buried there. Okay. And the church is the church of Mary Magdalene. So you can draw conclusions from that. Right. And I do remember so, from um, back in the day, looking into this and watching documentaries um, and the authors of the Holy Blood and Holy Grail, Grail being interviewed. And uh, that, that was a common pra practice, you know, is, you know, you buried important people under the altars of, of mm. these you know churches and, and what have you so yeah that is correct ghost that's that's all you know it, it's it's crazy that you're bringing this up because it's all just like flooding back in my head i'm like oh yeah i remember you know hearing this because mm -hmm. i was i was never a big reader i never I, I tried reading uh dan brown's book that you know he, he obviously ripped off from uh, holy blood holy grail but i i always loved watching documentaries on on this type of stuff you know i was always fascinated with the knights templar where you know the origins of friday the 13th which obviously was yesterday and oddly yes. enough we're talking about this today um but yeah it, it's it's as as ryan would say it's fascinating it is fascinating yes if you're gonna read one don't read da vinci code read no. holy blood holy grail because yeah. he basically ripped it off yes um from from that author um and it's just so interesting because, I mean, 
Okay, so back to the story. If the Priory of Sion was responsible for funding the priest, it would also make sense because they were attempting to reinstall the Merovingians to their rightful birthplace on the throne. Makes sense. Um, and Sir Isaac Newton was actually alleged to be one of the grand masters of the Priory of Sion. Mm. But I I personally think it was the Catholic Church that was funding him to keep him hushed. Okay. And it I mean, I think they do mention in Da Vinci Code that Isaac Newton was in the Priory of Sion. I don't know if they mentioned that he was one of the grand masters right. of the Priory of Sion. So he could have been, he could have thought himself a, a bloodline descendant. Now with the Priory of Sion, um, is that more uh, loosely based on, you know, a, a theory, you know, either from Dan Brown or from Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or is it, was this an actual documented? Uh, it's still going priory. on today. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Still going okay. on today. And actually, the author of Holy Blood, Holy Grail tracked down the Grand Master of the Prior of Sion when he, the current Grand Master of the Prior of Sion, when he was writing his book okay. <laughs> and went and talked to him face to face. So he said that he was very secretive, didn't really share a lot, had a great poker face. Mm. Um, but it's, it's something that was going on as far, I mean, as, as recent as like the 80s. Wow. When he wrote the book. Okay. So yeah, so I don't see why a secret actual, society would just disappear. You know what I mean? Right. They, they, so it's still, you know, and to this day, I believe it, they still have the Priory of Sion. So on to what we've all been waiting for is the Da Vinci connection. <laughs> um, so now that the listeners know a little bit of um, the background on Da Vinci from the first episode, we can just dive right in. So, as we talked about previously, Leonardo was a heretic, among other things. Um, he also had a kind of sneering attitude towards mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic Church. Very. And he was very critical of the church. And as you remember back to our previous conversation, um, I believe it's because he was allowed down into the library. Mm. That is my personal speculation is that he he became heretical after he saw what all has been hidden from us gotcha make, it makes including, sense including including mary magdalene that would that would take away jesus divinity yeah that and that would, would make mother mary uh they they said she was without sin my ass right that would have meant she got pregnant in the normal way that people get pregnant that would have meant Jesus was, do you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and that and would no, make you heretical. Nobody. And, and this is the thing that, I, that baffles me and nobody questions why a 12 year old, a 12 year old girl gets pregnant by divine intervention. 12 like that. No, that she and, was pregnant before she married Joseph. Mm -hmm, yeah. And who, who, who marries a kid? Man, ghost. Uh, and child brides were all the rage back yeah. in like the Old Testament. Yeah. Harems and, and no, of child brides. Yeah. Actually. And, and nobody has a problem with that. I, I, I no. don't get it. 
So actually, Ghost, you might be interested. I did an episode. Um, I'm going to release it in a week or two with Shayla about mm-hmm. Elvis and Priscilla. She was a child bride. Yes. Yeah, she, I, she was I actually, yeah, I had her on. Uh, I haven't released it yet, but yeah, that, that's a future episode of mine as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, it's just like, it's it's kind of a common thing. That shouldn't be a common thing, but you know, if I, so I have a 14 year old in my life right now, they're not ready to get married. Save big on your Memorial day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mm-mm. They still look like a baby to me. Yeah. To be honest with you. They are yeah. very, very, you know, angelic right now. But, you know, so getting into another work of art that we didn't cover in the last episode Um, are you familiar with the Shroud of Turin? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there was a book written in 1994, which actually makes the argument that the Shroud of Turin is one of the least known Leonardo da Vinci's. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that because isn't that the one that that he actually created it? Yeah. Because a lot of speculation was, oh, that isn't that the image of Jesus supposedly on it and this and that. And it's supposed to be that Jesus's body heated up so hot when he um, transformed into his astral body that it made a physical impression on the, the linens. Yeah, um, that's the story. I think they so let's, let's catch on fire, but that's just me. <laughs> so. In the 1970s, scientists were allowed to analyze the Turin Shroud for a very short period of time, and they actually carbon dated the shroud itself to a period of the 12 to 1300s, so it couldn't possibly have been used to wrap the body of Christ. No. I'll just, that's, that's, and again, I love y'all Christians, but this, this, and I don't want to sound like Fauci, but trust the science. No. <laughs> carbon dating. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't argue that, ghost. No. And so Leonardo is actually really unique among artists of his day because he he never produced a crucif- uh crucifixion painting. Hmm. And most other so, ones did, didn't they? Yes. And he was the only one who never produced a crucifixion. What he may have been doing by putting this up is actually a kind of crucifixion substitution. Mm. Okay. And the analysis that some have put upon the image itself is that it's actually burnt on the top. Hmm. And so this can be done by what is known as the camera obscura. And I think a lot of people have made this analogy before that it's, it's, um, where it actually takes light and it burns it on top of the material. Yes. And what is even more outrageous is he actually used his own face as the point of reference. (laughs) So I think Da Vinci the whole time after learning this, to me, what I'm getting 
is he spent the rest of his life trying to prove the lie that existed out of the Catholic Church. Kind of like a Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so remembering back to the first episode where I pointed out that he was notorious for painting himself in his artworks, you remember? Mm -hmm. He even painted himself into The Last Supper. Mm -hmm. Um, This would have appealed to his sense of humor. Right. Okay. And as a side note, I saw something on the Vitruvian Man. You know, okay. And what they have discovered is that every part of the Vitruvian man corresponds with the inside of the Great Pyramid. Oh, shit. And if that's true, there are more chambers yet to be discovered. Mm. And they won't let anybody go in there and do nothing anymore. Isn't that so crazy, Ghost? Mm -hmm. That is crazy. That's That's just a side thought, but. Mm-hmm. That was a good find. And so the Last Supper painting. We have Jesus with a red, uh, a red, you know, whatever they call him, his dress. Yeah, like a scarf or garb. Or, yeah. Yeah. But then he has the blue clo- cloak. Yes. And then the the figure on the side of him has the exact opposite clothing. We've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. But the figure is leaning away from Jesus. Um, and it's supposed to be young Saint John. <laughs> young Saint John. Yeah. Um, and huh. the space between the figures, right? They call it the chalice in the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. That that Leonardo is giving us the chalice. But because Dan Brown is a douchebag and he didn't do his own research and he just ripped some shit off. If you actually look at it, he's giving us the letter M. Mm. Is there any, is there any way you can pull up the, uh, the yeah, let me, cause I'd, I'd like to have like, look at that again, because I, I do remember there was something with that, you know, I, you know, with it forming a, a, the V or a chalice and, and, the leaning away of each other, but, uh, yes. So ghost, this is really, this is, so that's why you should re It's like, you always say, think for yourself. Mm-hmm. This is my, this is my take. Let's find a good one. So he's giving us the M do you see it here? Boop, 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 boop. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, if you go above a her head and then down up Jesus's arm and down again forms the M. And it for and look where he's pointing. Up. Okay. Yep, that guy's pointing up. He's but if you let's just take it literally, like if you're gonna point up and then go down and then go up and then come down. Yeah, it's and just it's, so. And now, if you look at that elbow, that elbow in the blue over here, um, this could be the other. And then and, he's got his hands up, so it's like, like another hand. It, yeah, or like saying this is where it stopped. You know, like go yes. up, down, up, down, stop. Up, down, up, back to the hand. Hmm. And to me, this is very. 
And then we got the knife again. Yeah. The knife and then the guy freaking out. It's just crazy. Oops. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this could be Leonardo telling us Mary Magdalene was at the Last Supper sitting next to Jesus in a position of status. Mm. Okay. Because Jesus is in the center of the table. He is uh, the most divine, right? He's in the middle. And, and then the person who right. would be directly next to him would also be a person of status, right? His mm. other half. Yeah. Okay. And as we pointed out in the last episode, no chalice on the table. No cup. No. People are only able to see what they're told to see, which is why, again, think for yourself. Don't don't take it at face value. And so I'm going to go back here. I'm going to share again, actually, because I forgot. You're going to love this ghost. This is going to rock your world. Are you familiar with um, the Madonna of the Rocks? I've heard of it. I'd have to, to see it again. Okay. Can you see this? Hang on. Let me move my our pictures out of the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there are two versions of Madonna of the Rocks. The first one that Leonardo painted was unaccepted by the church because he hadn't painted halos on the figures. Um, and so the Madonna of the rocks depicts the flight of Jesus and John the Baptist from King Herod during the infanticide. Okay. Um, Jesus is with Mary in, in, in the one that they, so, okay. The one that they ended up accepting Jesus is with Mary and John the Baptist is with the angel Uriel, who is his guardian. Yo, do you know who Uriel is? Man, I haven't dove into that. All I know is that's John Shit. the Baptist protector. Uh-huh. Ryan actually just did a an episode on Uriel. And Uriel, um, if I'm not mistaken, and I take this right, is the true light bearer or the 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 bringer of wisdom that everybody gets Satan confused with in the Bible. Oh, so he's the true Lucifer. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. And to be the guardian of John the Baptist, who would later baptize Jesus. That's interesting. Very interesting. So some people say that it was unaccepted by the church because of the juxtaposition of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. Okay. John the Baptist being older than Jesus. And was a so John the Baptist was a, a descendant from the Aaron line which made him a priest messiah okay okay and jesus christ was also a descendant from the aaron line and the davidic line which would make him not only a priest messiah but also a king messiah mm. and the fact that john the baptist so 
okay, I'll just say it to you like this. The fact that John Bab the John the Baptist baptized Jesus as the Son of God, the Roman Catholic Church would prefer us to believe that Jesus was doing all the baptizing. And who the hell is John the Baptist to baptize the Son of God? Right. But if you look at the genealogy of the family, it adds up perfectly, which is something that the Catholic Church would would have liked to sideline. Okay. So if we look at the heretical version, which is right here. Now, in in this picture, uh, which one is Jesus? Is Jesus the one with the two fingers up? Or is he the one being held around? Okay, the, so you cross? have Mother Mary okay. with her arm around an elevated John the Baptist. Okay. Who is kneeling. Yes. And then you have the angel Uriel with a lower positioned Jesus yeah, he's who has up. his fingers up and he's bestowing the blessing onto John the Baptist. Okay. So this scene is not in the Bible. Of course, this was invented by the Roman Catholic Church because the embarrassment that John the Baptist would have had the authority to perform the baptism ritual on Jesus. So they concocted this story that when they were babies, baby Jesus bestowed upon him the permission or the blessing to baptize him later in life. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is such a comp that is so retarded. And I'm sorry to use that word, but it's retarded. So they're saying that while while Jesus and John the Baptist were running from the infanticide of King Herod, they stopped on a side street. They got with the other person's guardian. Okay. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist is with Mother Mary, and Jesus is with the angel Uriel. And he bestowed upon baby John the Baptist, hey, dude, later on in life, I'm giving you permission to baptize me. That's the story they made up. That's crazy. And who's the person on the donkey? Who knows? Like that Could have been Noah for all. Yeah. I mean, that's how convoluted the story is. It just doesn't make no sense at all. I'm still I'm still fascinated by that. That's the depiction of Uriel and. Ryan's deep dive that he did on who Lucifer is truly is. A male. What's that? Was was he saying it was a man? Um, I, I I do believe Uriel. Well, angels really don't have sex. You know what I mean? Like they're not male or female. But um, in in our terms, I think Uriel was a male. He um, but yeah, it's just weird that you're bringing this. Isn't up. Isn't it interesting? He painted Uriel as a woman. Yeah. Maybe because yeah, women had a more important part in the Bible than we we're led on. That is true. You know, because if you if you look at the way the Catholic Church has, you know, depicted women and women in the Bible, it's never been in any type of. Oh, it's power always or been leadership. dog shit. It's yeah. always been dog shit. And always so submissive, um, like relationship with a man you know what i mean like it's, it's, oh yeah we're 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 um we're the secretary to the men yeah like we just tag along and we do the equivalent of uh 
making coffee for the men. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. You cook, you clean, you take care of the house. Right. You know, but in my argument, I'm going to, um, I'm trying, I'm going to try to convince you ghosts that women were actually equal, if not higher than the men in the pile. Um, which would make sense, right? I mean, okay, but let's get back. I don't want to tangent too much, but so the scene that was commissioned and, you know, I roll (laughs) that this ever even happened. Um, I think Leonardo also rolled his eyes at the story, which is why we, when we look at the heretical version, which is the one that I have pulled up for you here, the babies are with the wrong guardians. And this is, this is going to get, um, this is going to get a little tricky. Um, but you remember he loved inversion. Mm-hmm. So let's put him with the right guardians. This is Jesus. We'll put him up here with mother Mary. Right. And mm-hmm. we'll put baby John the Baptist with Uriel. If we flip it, Jesus is elevated above John the Baptist and he's bestowing the blessing onto John the Baptist who is kneeling to receive the blessing. Right. That's how it should have been. But how did he paint it? Painted it completely backwards. He painted baby. So let's just pretend that let's not change the characters, right? Let's pretend that this is exactly how he wanted it to look. And let's say that the little boy that's kneeling with the cross is Jesus. Okay. And let's say the little boy that is in a lower position with his fingers extended, bestowing the blessing is John the Baptist. Because he's with Uriel. Mm-hmm. It would appear John the Baptist is blessing Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And that's so heretical. Yeah. <laughs> that he, wow. even though, so that would make Jesus kneeling to John the Baptist to receive the blessing. That's crazy. He was such a badass. I mean, can you imagine presenting that painting to the Catholic Church? Oh, especially in those days. I mean, well, even today, but man, (laughs) wow. And so, let's see this one. This is the original right here. This is the one that that was kind of like a, a, you know, somebody copying it. But this is the original right here. So we got jesus so that's supposedly john the baptist and that's jesus bestowing the blessing on him but if you if you turn it around actually jesus is receiving the blessing from john the baptist which makes it heretical and then he eventually added the halos you see okay yeah i do but there's something else can can i point out something real quick what there's no halo over uriel which is also very interesting yeah in that the fact kinda, that, that Uriel is a woman. Yeah. And the fact that that is supposedly uh, from the research, research that, that Ryan did um, is the true Lucifer. It is. It is. Which would and mean. What if which would mean. Lucifer. It's not a divine individual. Lucifer was a woman. Yeah. I don't know. Something if, to think about. And if about Uriel is uh, the true person of uh, what people call lucifer or satan and what have you that would make sense why there's no halo 
around mm-hmm. the head because that means they're not of holy uh you know what i mean or divine mm, yeah no that's crazy i didn't even think of it like that dang ghost that's that's true yeah and it's funny and if you take it for for how it is satan has his arm around little baby jesus who is mm-hmm. then giving the blessing to john the baptist so is that an unholy blessing is that what he should be depicting uh, so that would be like an unholy baptism yeah yeah wow that's see i'm telling you ghost he was way ahead of us on everything and this is just my humble opinion people you know i'm just looking at it the information that i i've recently learned and 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 applying it to to what i'm looking at and it's 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 crazy well i'm about to blow your mind one more time ghost because there's something else in this painting okay can you please look at the formation of rocks that's coming out of the virgin mary's head okay what does this look like to you This is his way of saying she ain't no virgin. Oh shit. Is that a vagina? It's a dick. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I see now I see it. <laughs> it's a dick coming out of the head of Mother Mary. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. Man, he was like doing some Disney shit before Disney was around. Man! And this is not an assault on anyone's faith, but come on. He's telling us, look at all the symbolism in this just one painting. Yeah. And if you kind of look at it and and you go with like the Greek uh, river of sticks and what have you, it it almost appears like they're they're underground, like they're. Yes, I was going to say that, too. Not quite necessarily hell, but not of the. Mm -hmm above realm you know what i mean it's it's kind of gives me that purgatory yeah it's like gives me that that vibe i guess you could say yes me too it's creepy ghost damn it's creepy and so like i said this just take it how you want to so the main thesis i want to present to you is that jesus is married as depicted in the book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and his wife is Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And there's another book entitled The Woman with the Alabaster Jar. Have you ever read it? Do you know anything about it? I've heard of it. I'm I'm horrible with reading. Um, Never really. It's a good one, Ghost. You'd like it. Never enjoyed it. I should probably sign up for Audible. Because I can listen to it. I was thinking about doing that too, because it's kind of like, Audible is kind of like listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. Except it's a book. And so the woman with the alabaster jar also makes this argument and it's written by a woman who was a staunch Roman Catholic. Oh. And she believes the Holy, uh, Holy Grail is the sacred feminine, the lost bride. Mm. Because what do they call Jesus? The bridegroom without a bride. Where's the bride? Yeah. So those dicks 
in the Council of Nicaea took out this very important part of our story, of our history, and of women in general, because they were weak and cowardice, and men did not want to acknowledge the power of the feminine because of the fact that if Jesus was married and had a child, it would diminish his divinity, um, but it actually enhances it to me because there is a sacred union between men and women. Yes. And I think that's shitty as fuck that they would have taken that out. Okay. Um, so there is a passage in Mark of the anointing of Jesus by the woman with the alabaster jar. And now the book of Mark is, is in the Bible, right? Yes. And so it's the anointing of Jesus by the woman with the alabaster jar at the banquet in Bethany. Um, so first of all, the anointing scene takes place in all four gospels. And there are only four stories that do. One is the baptism of Jesus. The other is the multiplication of loaves and fishes, mm -hmm. the crucifixion and the anointing by a woman, which gives you an idea compared to those other stories, how important this, this was. Okay. If you're going to put the multiplication of loaves and fishes, the crucifixion of Jesus and Jesus getting baptized in the anointing of a woman that says something right there. Yeah. And so when you research anointing, it actually has sexual connotations in the ancient world. Oh, and I did not know that. Yes. The anointing by a woman was actually a nuptial rite in, in ancient cultures. Okay. So everyone in the, in the New Testament is Jewish until proven otherwise. We can agree. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is a rabbi. Mm -hmm. It was commonplace for Jewish rabbis to be married. In fact, it was expected. So Jesus would have been required as a member of the Davidic line to marry. And not only was he required to marry, he was expected to sire two sons by the time he was 40. Mm, but he died at 33. Well, I think, I believe he was married and he was doing what he was supposed to do. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the Feast of Cana is mentioned in the book of John. And it doesn't describe the actual wedding itself, but it describes the feast. So in, in nowadays terminology, it would be, it doesn't describe the ceremony, but it describes the reception. Can I, can I and, just touch on something real quick that yeah. kind of came to mind right after I, I said he died at 33, um, is a story that we're given. If you, and, and he was supposed to have two male um, sons by the time he was 40. That means he died seven years before that. And seven is supposed to be the whole, the, the lucky number, the number associated with, mm -hmm. with Jesus. And it's the number of completion. Yeah. Which is, isn't that odd. funny? Yeah. I don't know why that came to me. I just, I don't know. It, it well, you're empathic ghost. So it, it's I like, I just felt like you know? I needed to like point that out. And, and well, yeah, that's you, why I like talking with you. 
I like talking with you because you look into it even more, like as I'm going along with the information, you're picking up on things, you're tuning into it and you're actually like engaging in the, in the process, which yeah. is what I love well, you get because my, it's like my gears are spinning. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was called the feast of Cana and it's basically the wedding reception, right? And mm -hmm. it doesn't describe the ceremony, but it's describing the reception. And what is described is that Jesus' mother, Mary, tells the servants that they should do whatever he tells them. And so when they're told to go get more wine, they must go get more wine and so on. But the only person at a wedding who would be allowed to do this would be the groom himself. Okay. Back so, then. Yeah. So why the change? Well... Basically, what I got from that passage is that it's Jesus' wedding reception, and he's saying, "Bring wine, bring food, let's celebrate." Oh, okay. I just got married; like this is a party, and G and so Mother Mary is there. And let's say she's not this, you know, divine figure that she's made out to be. She's just Jesus's mother. She's like, "Hey, do whatever he says." He just got married; okay. we're celebrating, you no, know. So that's kind of like another, you know. Another passage that would lead to him having actually been married. Okay. I was listening so, to that and I, I heard it kind of backwards in my mind. So oh, no. Yeah. Now, no, now you're I get good. where you're going. You're yeah. Good. I get where you're coming from. So Mary Magdalene is depicted as anointing Jesus on two separate occasions with an ointment called spikenard, which was only allowed to be used on those of the Davidic line. And Jesus is, of course, from the Davidic line. So how do we know it was Mary Magdalene? Um, the Gospel of John spells it right out. It says the woman who anointed Jesus and washed his feet with her hair was Mary, the sister of Lazarus. The same Mary that shows up in all the legends off the coast of France, that it was Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who brought the Holy Grail to the shores of France. Hmm. Which, if I'm not mistaken, they make the argument that the Holy Grail could have been the child. The Yes. And it says Mary Magdalene and her friends brought the blood royal to the shores of France. Not in a chalice, mm -mm. but in the veins of a child. The blood royal. Or if you look at it in a different way, uh, that V or the chalice could represent a womb. So she could right. have been pregnant also. That is very, that's very good too. Which is, I think, why they went with that is mm -hmm. like being the chalice or, yeah. or the vagina, you know, like the, which is totally plausible. Yeah. But, you know. No one knows what happened to her. I mean, no no one knows where this child is. Um, but that's not the point. I think the, the child is there to prove the union of Jesus and Mary and the sacred union of the masculine and feminine energies. That's what I think the child is there to serve the point that you you have masculine and feminine, the unity, and then you give birth and you have a child. And that's that's how you reproduce that that's how right. we are here today goes like that's normal it, and it also kind of you can take it in a creation uh sense of of when god supposedly created adam and eve and what have you 
and this is just a, a reinterpretation of Jesus passing on creation and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the birth of a child and creation of a child is a very beautiful thing. You know what I mean? I'm oh. a father and that, that is one of the most beautiful moments of my life when I saw my daughter being born. Like I, I, I can't compare anything to that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's beautiful. why we're here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's, you're the masculine and the mother of your child's the feminine and you, you know, you were in a union, mm-hmm. you can see the child and now you have a child and you're raising your child. And it, it, it's, it's just, it makes no sense to me that Jesus wouldn't have wanted the union of man and wife when he always talks about how important it is to get married. Right. And it doesn't make, what the fuck? yeah. That's and, hypocritical and is, as fuck though, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And if, if this is true, it doesn't make, you know, cause some people would be like, well, wouldn't that, that kid have, you know, special divine powers that no, it doesn't necessarily make him a demigod. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make, you know, in my mind, Jesus. <laughs> well, where do I start? I'm bad shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost cold, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been start to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to lipos, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking the edge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if, look I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick I take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I want a soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause Fuck I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we bad shit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap into pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this, they bitch made Hey, keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride while I flow ride the valor of rhyme. I'm flying high by the seat of my pants. A beat speaking to me, know I'm talking back every chance. Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France. But in the Northwest, I trip without a traveling band. Yeah. And that's word of my cat plug. I'm higher than giraffe puss. Look what the cat drug in. Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub. At midnight, I don't fill it up with the tap cup. Soaking in my cannabis suds. Anything for a buzz. Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug. Peel through a fat stash, burning the last snug. I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from. But here I am, still stuck in the bathtub. My brain fried, but honestly, I'm fine. I'd rather not have one. I'm batshit. I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. 
Straight up. I'm done. I'm batshit what you read in the covenant. It's cap. You were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.